Welcome to Refugee Radio. Refugee Radio Show bringing you news of an online concert for Refugee Week on Thursday the 18th of June from 7.30pm with Bashir Al-Gamar, Jamal and Allah and Polina and Merlin Shepherd bringing you refugee music and vibes from Sudan, from Syria, from Russia and beyond. Uh, the website address uh, with links to find the event is www.refugeeradio.org.uk forward slash live hyphen events or you can just go to our front page at refugeeradio.org.uk and follow the links from there Uh, you'll also find um, information about our other millions and billions of podcasts that we've done in the past and links to previous shows Um, this particular show is a lockdown special featuring back garden recordings of uh, Bashir Al-Gamar, the Sudanese uh, poet and lute player, followed by an interview with him about the fundraising activity that he's doing. And there's links to the PayPal on the website uh, at refugeeradio.org.uk about this. Um, he's going to explain in the following interview a little bit about why he's doing it. But please do consider donating. It's a very um, precious cause, very dear to his heart. Okay, uh, my name is Bashir Al-Gamar. Uh, I'm a songwriter, composer, and um, uh, I'm trying to raise some money for a certain village in Africa, in Sudan, where my homeland is. Uh, uh, people in that village hasn't got, you know, like water or electricity. Uh, the basics of life, you know. Uh, so I'm trying to help them with that, uh, building a school as well. And plus, you know, uh, the corona is really hitting them hard because of, you know, lack of infrastructure and stuff like that. So, you know, with your help, hopefully something going to reach them over there as a little help. Thank you. Thank you. 
Sudan uh, by the White Nile. Uh, I think it's uh, roughly about 50 minutes from the Nile itself. Uh, I believe still age of seven, and that's when uh, my father decided to send me to his brother because there's no school at the, uh, that village at that time. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, no infrastructure, no electricity, no sweet water. Uh, even food, I mean, talking, about, you know, uh, so they need to travel, uh, maybe an hour and a half to the nearest uh, town to get, you know, some bread and some, you know, basics. So it was hard, and I was aware of that since I was eight years old. I, uh, that's when I started writing to, uh, to the newspapers about the problem. Uh, so they tried to dig a well there, but the water is salty. I don't know how, but it was salty. 
Uh, and since then, they still have the same problem. I mean, I'm talking about 40, 50 years, you know, ago. And that's when I, I became involved, you know, I wanted to help these people. Uh, so I spent the last few years here in Brighton, you know, trying to raise some money. Uh, I've done a few things over there, uh, but there's lots to do, you know. The the problem with the water, how does that affect people? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, I, I mean, uh, disease. It, it's, they, they were forced to drink that salty water, and that causes lots of, uh, you know, health problems. Uh, and or it's either you 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 travel, you know, maybe by donkey or by horse or you know whatever means you are having uh, to the nearest you know town, get some water, and that will last you you know for maybe five or six days. Then back again. The train sometimes brings you know like tanks of water. Uh, so it's it's all you know it's like a temporary solution for the problem. And you said it, it causes uh, diseases as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, kidney diseases, you know, lots of it over there. Uh, That's why everybody it, has problems uh, with kidney disease in that region. Yeah, it's yeah, because of yeah, the water. Yeah. It's the water, yeah, yeah. Uh, because yeah. that's a very common uh, health problem for people from that region, it, I know. Yeah, it's not only that village. I'm talking about the whole region over there, you know. I'm talking about hundreds of villages. But I mean, because I grew up there, so if I could help at least one village, you know, that would be great. Uh, so I'm working on that. And did you manage to, what happened with the well in the end? With the well? Um, they, the well is still there and uh, it's only for animals. So the animals drinks it, you know, like cows and camels. Uh, they come from different villages to this well, and and unfortunately, the animals drinks that water. It's salty; you cannot drink it. Yeah, and and you said you're um, trying to raise funds to to help the village, and one thing they they need at the moment is a generator. Is that right? It, it, yeah, this is what uh, this is their demand. I, I talked to them about the well, but uh, but the cost of it is very high to to get one. You know, to to actually dig one. Uh, and they asked me, well, uh, we are having a problem with electricity here. Uh, they haven't got electricity at all, not even nearby. And uh, everything depends on electricity. And uh, so they asked me about uh, uh, a generator. Uh, the village is not that big, you know. Uh, I mean, a big generator will do the job. How many people live there? I would say roughly about 300. Yeah. Yeah, maybe about about three hundred people there, and I know most of them. You know, they've been there since I was a child. And can you describe what it looks like? What the houses are like? What the streets are made of? Oh my God! Uh, all the you know, it's uh, the, all the houses are made of you know. I don't know what you call it in English, but it's like stones and uh, uh, the, the, it, there's no bricks over there, you know. It's whatever you find in nature, you just build your house, uh, apart from one or two houses, maybe. Uh, 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 and that's it, really. The school is my father and my uncle who built the school now. Maybe that's 10, 15 years ago. Uh, last year, I went down there and I've uh, done a few maintenance to the uh, school, which is like only four classes. Uh, and, and that's it, really, you know, completely isolated uh, village. Um, 
it's just miserable, Stefan. It's really, you know, they're struggling every single day to just have their two meals, not even three meals. I heard there was some problems with, I don't know if this affects your village, um, but with the, I don't know where you are in relationship, probably not so bad near the um, Nile, but some of the villages have been completely swallowed up by sand recently. That's right. It's, it, it, this village is one of them, but it's gradual. I could see that happening. You know, oh, every really? Year it's when the same I go, problem? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. You know, it's, it's swallowing, you know, even the houses. You know, it's like you just cannot drive by car to get to, say, my house, you know, my parents' house over there. It, it's really hard, and I could see it happening. I, I don't know what's going to happen to them with the coming, you know, maybe 20 years or 30 years. So it's a real struggle over there. Uh, all what I'm I'm trying to do is easing life for them, Stefan. You know, I, I know I cannot be a solution, a whole solution for them, but I'm, I'm trying to ease this pain and, uh, and this struggle by doing little things, you know, it's like a generator, maintain, maintaining, you know, the schools, uh, uh, single parents, I just give them some money. Uh, so it, the whole thing is a temporary, solution I, I haven't got the permanent that's what the government should do you know but there and you say they don't have the infrastructure so it sounds like are the government doing anything to help the people there they are not helping when, I, when i'm talking you know when i was eight years or nine years old when i started complaining about this situation you guess how many governments you know have been there in sudan and no one is willing really really to help you know uh, all these villages, you know, in the west of Sudan. So it's a shame. Why do you think the government isn't interested in, in helping them? Well, we, uh, first of all, it's corruption. I mean, if I, if I started, you know, raising some money and send it to the government over there or the people who are responsible, believe me, it won't reach the people there. So corruption is number one. It's a number one enemy. And this is, of course, um, something that comes up with the international aid and development projects. Uh, is yeah, that oh, they, yeah, they, yeah, the yeah, money yeah. is well, often interceded by uh, no, corrupt or nepotistic governments, yeah. and it doesn't get down it to people. No, it doesn't get there. Not only this government, but all the governments since I was 80 years old. It never reached them, never. I, I didn't see that at all. And that's why I decided to, 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 to make it as a personal, you know, independent uh, role for me, you know, to all these people. I cannot trust the government. And you're saying that lockdown uh, has made things worse for them because it's even impacts worse, on their ability even worse. to... Uh, oh, yeah. Have there oh, been, yeah. Has there been instances of COVID-19 uh, coronavirus in the village? Well, I haven't heard yet, but uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they told me that there are a few cases over there. Yeah. They're very vulnerable, you know. There's old people over there. Uh, blind people over there, you know, they're just hanging around. So I wouldn't be surprised. So what's the what's the medical facilities in the village? Oh my god! Oh my god! Nothing, nothing. There is no clinic. There is no hospital. There is nothing. So what do, what do people do if they get sick? Well, if you get sick, you are bitten by a scorpion or a snake. You know, they they try to find a car for you, and then you know you travel like fifty minutes or maybe an hour and a half to reach the nearest town where you can find, you know, uh, some medication, you know. So, and meanwhile, so many people died. I know, I personally know some of them. You know, during the journey from that village to the nearest town, most probably they die, if it's something serious.
So the people and the village is called Salima. Yeah, yeah. And the people there really need help. What what does the oh, name yeah. what does the name mean of the village? The name. Yeah. Is Salima. Yeah. S A L. Yeah. What does it does it have a meaning in uh, Arabic? Uh, say, would you believe uh, the meaning is safe? Safe. Is that right? Would you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only Salima means safe. Wow. And it's and it's not safe at all. It's not safe at all. No. And you you um you said you left. You went away when you were quite young in order to get an education. There wasn't a school there at that time. That's something that your family yeah, has, yeah. has built uh, since. And, uh, yeah. And this is when my father decided to send me to town where his brother is there, uh, where where there is schools over there. So it's a big city. So I uh, well basically I grew up with my uncle, you know, because uh, there's there's no school. There's no school at all for me. It's either he keeps me, my father keeps me in this village without education or sacrifice and send me to his brother. So it was hard, you know, it was hard childhood as well. But uh, uh, yeah, that's it really. You, know. you started writing to the newspapers to complain about the situation. Since I was were... nine, yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that's very young. I, 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 never, I never forget that, yeah. That's very young. I sent them a letter complaining about the situation, about the water actually, Yeah. in my village. And uh, funny enough, they 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 did print it, you know. They did put it as a, you know. So yeah, yeah. And I'm still, you know, since that, since then, you know, I'm still trying to, you know, easing this struggle for them. It's a real hard struggle. Are you using uh, your using your music and your poetry to to help uh, raise awareness as well? Yes, yeah. This is why this is what I do every year. Yeah. it's been nearly ten years now, maybe fifteen, in England here. Uh, you know, wherever I'm invited, wherever I can get some, you know, money for these people, uh, I'll, I'll take advantage of that. And uh, at the end of the year, I go back and, and help them. So it's been like constant, you know, every year I go back to this village. Although I live in the capital, but then I take a bus, you know, and just all the way, that's five hours maybe. You, you, you recorded some music with Phil from Best Foot Music. That's um, right. Yeah. Uh, what what songs did you record with him? Uh I I recorded two songs and it's all about hope and love and solidarity. So th- those are the you know main main lines of the songs. And you, so, wrote, you wrote yeah. you wrote them, yeah. Yeah, I wrote yeah. them. I, I I composed them as well. Yeah. Yeah. And when did you start? When did you start writing music? Oh God! Since I was sixteen, maybe seventeen. Yeah. What came first, the music or the poetry? Uh both of them together. Would you believe it? I mean, I just write and it comes composed. Um, and I think it's, yeah, uh, I think it was my my grandfather who used to do that. He is a, he was a well-known poet back home. I think I got it from him. Yeah. 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 Did you know your grandfather when you were a boy? Yes, yes, I was very little, but yeah, I remember him. And you heard him playing and uh, or reading. Poetry. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Very famous, very famous uh, uh, character back home. You know. Yeah. What was his name? Omar. That's O M A R Al Banna A L B A double N A. Well, well, well known, well known. Uh, he's your uh, he's your ins- your inspiration, your first role model. Uh, he is my inspiration. Yeah, since I was a kid. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. 
And so you played the oud. Yeah. Uh, so if anybody's listening to this and they uh, they don't know what the oud is um, and they'd like to, to know a little bit more, can you tell us about the oud? Uh, the oud is a very Persian. I, I think it started in Persia, 90, uh, 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 well, uh, in the 1800s. And then uh, it traveled, you know, to the Al Maghrib, which is Algeria, Tunisia, uh, Morocco. And from there, it traveled to Spain via Gibraltar. Uh, uh, if you remember, Arab has been there in Spain for 800 years. So they brought this wood with them. And I think from Spain, that's when, you know, it went just uh, all over Europe. Uh, I saw one actually here in England in the British Museum. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's one there. I, sp- I bet they didn't let you play it. No, no, no. <laughs> you can watch. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's a very rich instrument and um, it's everywhere back home, you know, in my country. And it's it's kind of like a guitar? Or it's, a no, it's or, a kind or... of like sitar, actually. Uh, something smaller than the sitar. But the beautiful thing is made of wood and it's handmade. Yeah, that's why wood, wood, wood is coming from wood. So it's, um, yeah, made of wood, you know, like uh, apple tree, uh, lemon trees, uh, and it's handmade piece by piece. Uh, and uh, it, it, it's just a beautiful instrument, really. Okay, fantastic. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing the, uh, the, the, the music. And um, hopefully in, um, in better times, we'll be able to see you playing live again. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's get rid of this uh, corona first and then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, first things first. I'm just uh, asking the, the, the people and friends if they can help, you know. Uh, I think uh, Phil is uh, launching this uh, online songs on uh, 18th of June. So if they can donate, uh, um, I mean, it's really nice helping people. So uh, uh, I hope they, you know, they donate and uh, let's do something about it. Yes, I hope so too, mate. Yeah, that would be a great help. Well, thank you very much for talking to me today, Bashir. Lovely to catch up with you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your help. Thank you. Yeah, it's been. Uh, yeah, I miss you. It's been a long time since uh, since we since we did anything. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure we'll see. We'll we'll meet soon. I yes. Hope. Uh, yeah. I hope so
Refugee Radio on a Brighton and Hope Success in England and Wales on a 97.2 FM. No, 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 all right. Chineke Dwine Unemene. Eu trabalho para a Ação dos Refugiados e no canal 97. Obrigado. <risos> 
Jejo 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 yenore refugee radio chenda musamvu katonyeze biri FM yamba abantu wa Brighton ne of yamba ba refugee ekoze chamanyi nyo mwanamwe na mujiwagire era tulibasanyufu kusinzira no mukuru wajidukanya director Steve mwebale nyo mwebale dala all right, so that was Bashir Algamar in interview with me over the phone and recorded in his back garden by Phil from Best Foot Music. Uh, you're listening to the Refugee Radio Show. I'll give you the website link again for um, donations if you want to get involved and support what Bashir's doing. It's, uh, the best way to go is www.refugeeradio.org.uk and follow the links from the front page. Um, and that will take you over to the Best Foot Music site and the PayPal donations site. Um, there's other musicians involved, of course, Jamal and Alar we're going to hear from in a minute. We're going to have a little preview from the online concert that they're doing uh, for Refugee Week. That's going to be on Thursday, the 18th of June from 7.30pm. And they're raising funds as well. We're, or we're raising funds to support all the other musicians and uh, what they're up to in the community. We're going to have a little preview from the recordings that Phil from Best Foot Music made of Jamal and Alla. Uh, in their back gardens uh, just a couple of days ago. Hi, my name is Jamal Asaka. Hello, my name is Ala. I'm going to play Oud and my friend Jamal can play percussion. We're going to play two Arabic songs today. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. 
we met Phil when he uh, when he first made the organization organization I think to support Syrian refugee the first time in uh, I think uh, I don't know what's pop I forgot 16 maybe yeah. so we met them at that time and we were very happy that uh, Philip he was supporting our community he used to uh, support the musician from uh, Syria who came just recently nearly two three years ago so he found like uh, so many gigs for them events so so they brought them culture from Syria and here you know, when I think when I was 20 years old uh-huh. I started learning out and when I met Jamal he encouraged me to uh, play like more widely with uh, in front of audience uh, mm. like this yeah on this recording we heard a couple of instruments one was the the drum uh, of, uh, what kind of drum was that so this is like a like a kind of like a hand drum hand drum yeah yes hand drum and uh, the other instrument was the oud. Oud. Right. So, uh, what's that? Like a guitar, or it's looked like guitar, but it comes from Middle East. Uh-huh. That instrument is Middle East. Uh, I think being created uh, nearly five thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. That's what I know. And how many strings does it have, so we can picture it? Original has like uh, five double strings. Uh-huh. But nearly, I think I don't know. Uh, many years ago, they invent another sixth one. So we've got now 12 uh, double uh, strings. So like a 12-string guitar, that you, 12, but, yeah. but it's a different tuning, p- presumably. Different tune, yeah. yeah. And you don't have the same uh, uh, intervals of notes or like the same scale that you do in Western music? No, ne- nearly exactly the oh, is that right? uh, same. Okay. A part of the uh, quarter tune. Ah, okay. So I think maybe ex- Jamal better than me to explain what the difference. Yeah. Let me open. Do you want to explain in Arabic and then we can translate it a little? The like Arabic uh, music has 24th uh, tune, yeah? Okay. okay. And the, uh, I think the, uh, Western music is 12 uh, sounds, 12 uh, tunes. بتمتاز الموسيقى الغربية عن الصوت والنص صوت والموسيقى الشرقية بتمتاز عن الصوت والنص صوت والربع صوت. Oh, that's very difficult to explain. This is very uh, like uh, terminology things is very difficult. Okay. Yeah. So to try, to, to, but any Arabic listeners will, with a grasp of a musical theory will have enjoyed that and they'll understand what he was saying. So yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and living in um, Syria, you're, what kind of music are you listening Are you exposed to songs from other countries and yeah, songs yeah, from like other languages other than Arabic? Uh, other, yeah. Yeah, music. Yeah. yeah, we're listening to uh, Eastern music, Western music, even fr- uh, Chinese music, Indian music. We love, we love all the musics, yeah. yeah. So you're quite used to not knowing what... Yeah, we don't, maybe we don't understand what it does mean, but the, uh, as a music, it, it uh, enters our heart, really. Mm. Right. So yeah, what people might not know, uh, what kind of problems are, are Syrian refugees facing when they come to the UK? I think the the facing the, the system is different uh, from other countries, especially like benefit systems or how they can claim for asylum to be a refugee. So that's what we need to uh, let them know what about the system. We need to uh, let them meet the uh, legal advisor from different like from benefits from immigrations uh, like this so uh, that's what we need to direct them the right way 
And how does it uh, affect people? Like they were working in Syria, they had jobs and stuff there. What uh, yeah, are people finding it's, it difficult it's very to make difficult. a transition? Yeah, especially yeah. with the educated people. That's yeah. why they can't work. Why they, for example, I've got uh, dentist friends here, so they're not allowed to work as dentist. Mm. So they came here, they claim an asylum, they got refugee states, and they start working off license or like kebab shop or fish and chips. So uh, really, it's very difficult for them. Mm. Yeah. Is it because they they got a qualification? Yeah, a qualification. Yeah, it's and it's not easy to get the uh, to like uh, to read or to make uh, equal uh, qualification from mm. like Syria and here. So they don't agree there. I imagine it is difficult for because especially you're coming from a traditional uh, kind of uh, culture where the man's very much the head of the household, he's the earner, and he provides for the whole family and all that. And then you come here and actually can't do his job anymore. He hasn't got that same status. That must be quite difficult for the families. Yeah, most because different culture, yeah. different culture, different different system, uh, different government treatment. Or like how the government treat people here, or the uh, like. Uh, uh, police or like this there's mm. everything different completely different yeah something good something bad it's not all like we can say the difficult way no they find something easy in this country as well like yeah. uh, give us an example of something that's better like the government helping helping uh, refugees yeah they, uh, they they told them what they they want to do what they have what their rights that's what they're different in yeah. like in different country in other country they don't tell the rights of people and you feel that in in the uk you just already have you haven't been here very long, but you already feel that you get more respect from the government. Yeah, than of you course. Do in yeah, other yeah, countries. yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, humanity yeah. rights. Yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And how, what's the response of the audience has been like? You've been playing for. Uh, I know you've had uh, some uh, concerts you've done where it's been, you know, people from the Syrian community, Syria, but you've also played to just British people yeah, who've never heard yeah. this kind of music yeah. before. What was the I what's think, the reaction from British audiences? I think they were happy because uh, they know where they're coming for a concert. They they know they kind of hear like Syrian music or Arabic music, so they really enjoyed what we did. Yeah. Yeah. And how have you found the the reactions, Phil? With, from the British audiences, you've seen. Pe- yeah, I've seen. Th- I've seen people dancing. <coughs> yeah, people who, dance. Who've never heard it before when yeah. it comes to these shows. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. People dance. I mean, I think. Yeah, people getting into it. I mean, slowly, kind of attitudes are changing, and people enjoy the music. I think you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm a terrible dancer, but you know, I always get up on the dance floor. I was going to ask about the moves. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> when you uh, Syrian people, when they hear the traditional folk songs, presumably they are there traditional folk dances or folk sort of dance moves that people do when they hear this music. No, that's. I think each song has different dance, or like if type of each type of songs, they have different dancing. We have like dancing, well, like English people dancing, or like dabka with like like uh, line dancing. That's what really is different. Yeah. Oh, I do line dancing. Yeah, line like you know the line they put the yeah, line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it's called dabka. Dabka. Yeah. Okay. You kind of get like country dancing or like a, yeah. a kaylee or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's I haven't seen that. You got to get somebody to bark at the audience and get them doing this. Right? <laughs> I think people like. We, I think when we were yeah, down we, here, people go around in a circle. Um, yeah. And there's some quite fancy footwork is going on as well. Some good foot moves going on. Um, and you've got something Jamal's son Khalid taught us to dance yeah. once <laughs> oh okay <laughs> Jamal's son <it's> not <laughs> um, yeah no, Jamal yeah. and Ali you're from Damascus yeah. uh, in Syria originally if, if, what's the situation over there with respect to homelessness do you see people uh, sleeping on the streets in Syria or does it work differently actually I haven't been to Syria a long time ago now yeah. even before the war but definitely there's uh, people suffering there they don't have food even food Especially everything expensive now. Yeah. And uh, that's what, yeah, we can see some homeless people. Yeah. 
Well, I suppose at the moment, of course, the situation's yeah, course. completely different to, yeah. to how it was and in the, the past. And the people, uh, them house has been destroyed uh, yeah. just in sub, uh, around Damascus. So they all moved to Damascus. Mm. Yeah, there's a very difficult situation there. Well, I imagine there's a huge um, impromptu refugee camps around the in the area, of course. But Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. And um, there's people still uh, coming from Syria uh, to uh, Brighton at the moment. What's the um, have you noticed that it's uh, that, that there's less new people coming in now from Syria or are there still people leaving? I think as illegal people, yeah, there's less. Mm. Because of the control, the cost, that's what I think, by the government. Yeah. But the uh, the government agreed, I think, maybe, I think now it's 10 uh, families or 20 Another families. Being 10 families. Yeah, I think, I think 10 families. Yeah. yeah, 10 families now. Yeah. 10 families just about in the hove. I think so maybe. Yeah, this is the Vulnerable People's Relocation yeah, people, yeah. Scheme. And so they're, they're, organ- they're organizing in advance to bring people yeah. out of the situation. Into I think they agreed yeah. for 20,000, yeah. I think, yeah. So I think it was a couple of years ago, I think they announced 20,000 yeah. people. I think we're nowhere near even 2,000, I think. The, I think no, the and also, I mean, t- I know that, you know, the Calais, I mean, we know, we know a couple of people in Brighton who've come through Calais, um, and the, the Calais thing again it's something that's kind of disappeared out of the news and obviously after the camp was bulldozed a couple of years ago um, but actually there's still approximately I mean if you go on the Care for Calais website there's still approximately 3,000 people living in northern France um, in appalling conditions so there, you know there are people coming and you know obviously we are you know we are a, a, a rich country and we are Personally, I feel we should be doing more. Or the UK government should be doing more. And if you look at the community groups, certainly in Sussex, um, there are lots of community groups in the area that are trying to do what they can to help people. But there's actually not that much support from the government. I mean, if you, when people talk about, you know, if you look at some of the right-wing press and they sort of use language like swarms of refugees, um, actually the vast majority of refugees are in Jordan and Lebanon uh, from Syria. And the, the UK government could be doing more. To, and there's a lot of people want to reunite with their families here as well. Um, so that's a, you know that's obviously a real struggle for people. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah they must I think uh, even bring the uh, family from like like Jamal, two daughters. Uh, they st- uh, one living in Turkey, one the other lo- daughter uh, lives in Jordan. So the face is very difficult to bring uh, them daughters here. Oh, so he's got, Jamal, yeah, Jamal he's got children. They're, they're stuck outside of the outside, UK, yeah. Yeah. and he's allowed to stay here, but he can't bring yeah, them here. Yeah, they can't yeah. bring them here because they're, uh, they're married. Their yeah. two daughters are married. Yeah. yeah. So it's the difference of um, in uh, in uh, you know British culture, we consider you know once you're eighteen, yeah. and that's it. Out, you know, out there, stop you're, you're go, go, yeah, yeah, go and get your own place. But but you're talking about. Um, uh, people who he still feels that they're, they're his yeah. dependent children, but they're ad- they're over eighteen, so the government says no, they're not part of your family anymore. Is that's that, right. That's yeah, that's why. Yeah, yeah, that's why they uh, they said. Yeah. Well. So there's got. Uh, a, a, I think that's got a continuing uh, problem for people from Syria in the UK. Is you've got families scattered around the world, and also you've got news coming in every day about terrible things happening back home, and it must make it quite hard to to settle to yeah, feel settled right, yeah. here. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It's very difficult. Bec- uh, and also, for example, my family. Some of them live in uh, Germany, some of them in Norway, uh, some of them in Syria. So we're divided. So that's most of the, I think, maybe 80% or 90% of Syrian family. Same situation. Mm. And what do you think yeah. the effect of that is going to be in the long, in the long run, like in years to come? What, what effect will that have on people? 
What do you mean? Sorry, no. Being scattered around the, yeah. the world like that, what will it do to the say? The, you've got a small Syrian community in Brighton and Hove. What do you think the impact will be on the on that community of having, you know, relatives and loved ones scattered around the place like that? I think I'm not sure what they will ha- because we don't know what will happen in the future. Mm. So it depends what situation in Syria now. So if that situation in Syria be resolved, maybe most of the people will, they will go back to Syria mm. and they live together with as uh, before, like as a family. Mm. But we don't know what will happen in the future, how the people were reacted or how the people can be continue with this life. Because really, some lots of people, they lost their family and they don't know where they are. Mm. Maybe they died or they're uh, looking somewhere else. We don't know. Yeah, yeah so that's... Uh not the not knowing. Yeah, yeah. they don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah that must yeah. be very difficult to yeah, to, course, yeah. to live with for people. Yeah, that's depends situation in Syria. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, yes. You hope that uh, the the future will have something positive in it, and that people yeah, will be so, safe yeah. to return yeah. home. But of course, you don't yeah. know when that's going to happen. Yeah, no, yeah. don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, what's you know what's have you got planned for for Jamal now? Now you're a two piece act. But I hear your plan. You've, you you plan to add uh, somebody new to the band, or you already have added somebody new to the band. Is that right? Yeah, one guy. His name's Zah. He's a keyboard man. So yeah, yeah he starts uh, doing some uh, events with us. Yeah, yeah. and how, uh, Phil, you've heard the new. Yeah, lineup, he's, right? he's, yeah he's great. Yeah, he's I mean, great. Yeah, yeah, they're they're. I mean, I love seeing him anyway. You know, they're always yeah, good. Thank to you. Start thank good you. To listen to him play, but he really brings another a new element to it. Um, he <clears> plays keyboards. Um, and there's a bit of electronic percussion in the background as well, and then mixed with Jamal's, uh, you know, handheld percussion, and Alazud. Yeah, it's great. It's really exciting. So, and we're planning, I think, to uh, make a record with the yeah, film, yeah. me, Jamal, and Zahi. Yeah, we're going to do some new new recordings yeah. soon. Before we go, just uh, my, I think my final uh, question. Just wanted to ask about living in um, Brighton and Hove. I don't know if you've lived anywhere else in the UK, or but uh, what is it? That you, is there things that you like about living in Brighton, or are there things you don't like about uh, Brighton? Particularly, it's quite an unusual place compared to a lot. Is of for uh, me, I've in, been in living in Brighton and Hove in this area around thirteen years now, and I can't imagine to live somewhere else. Really, I like Brighton and Hove. Uh, friendly, I feel like my home here, mm. really, because I didn't face any problem in my life here in this country. Mm. Yeah. How about you? Happy. <laughs> yeah, he said very happy in this. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> and there's lots of. There's, I suppose uh, Brighton's quite uh, nice as well in the sense that there's there's quite a few. Um, uh, places you can get food that you might recognise as well. We were just talking earlier about um, some uh, pickled aubergines yeah, uh, that right. you guys had for breakfast. And we need right. to encourage our community maybe they can open a restaurant like Syrian restaurant. It's yeah. very nice food, really. Because we yeah. don't have any in Brighton. We've got Lebanese, we've got, you know, Iranian. Actually, it's we've not a big this. difference between Lebanese food and Syrian food. Right. Exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I'm, having been around... Um, both Jamal and Allah's house a few times for dinner now I've got to say the food is good to Philip yeah. I think the the uh, I think it's called the is it the Kasbah uh, kebab shop on Western Road I think they're Syrian um, but it's not like you know traditional it's Syrian not food yeah. it's yeah. Uh, um, yeah, maybe it's one day we can invite you to like uh, yeah. yeah to like Syrian food oh that'd be great yeah I'm sure that's promise. Like that, that's yeah. with yeah. Uh, Philip yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> I'll hold you to that <laughs> <laughs>
much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, guys. Okay. Is it nice? Yeah, it's great. Ah, thanks for listening to the Refugee Radio Show today. That was Jamal and Allah, the Syrian musicians living in Brighton that uh, Phil from Best Foot Music recorded uh, as part of the, as a sort of playing that for you as a preview perhaps of the online concert that's coming up for Refugee Week. If you want to find out more about that, get yourselves over to the website www.refugeeradio.org.uk. While you're there, of course, you can check out all the podcasts we've been doing um, over the years, including the recent one I did with David Miliband um, and some of the uh, interviews we've recorded for the Castaway Heritage project all of which were collected in a book we put out last year and you can uh, find out information about how to get your uh, hands on a copy of that book if you're deciding to treat yourself Okay, there's a little bit of extra time before we go today. So here's a clip from uh, Refugee Week uh, 10 years ago in Brighton. It's a performance by our good friend Haval down at the Dome. Um, And we have a wonderful uh, duet here tonight. It's Haval Akram on Kurdish Bazooki. Akram Bazooki. With his partner Richard Brewer on guitar. Thank you. 